The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Positive Living, and that's good afternoon if you're on the East Coast, and good morning if you're on the West Coast. And welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program right here on voiceamerica.com. Today we are talking about mothers and daughters, but specifically about narcissistic mothers. My guest is the author of the book, Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. And my guest today is Dr. Carol McBride. And Dr. Carol McBride is author of this book as well as several others. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Denver, Colorado, with more than 29 years of experience in public and private practice. She specializes in treating clients with dysfunctional family of origin issues. And she's been involved in private research of children of narcissistic parents for, for 17 years and, and uh, really specializes in this area and has been a daughter of a narcissistic mother herself. So she has good personal experience and professional experience Welcome, Dr. McBride. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Thank you. What would you say are some of the telltale signs of a narcissistic mother? Well, I define maternal narcissism as a mom who cannot do empathy. She has a lack of empathy, and she can't do unconditional love with her children. She doesn't have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. So what happens is everything is all about her. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are there are narcissistic traits that she's going to have, such as a, a grandiose sense of self importance. Um, How about the narcissistic mother who was the princess mother? You know, where everything was taken care of for the mother, or the mother was dominated by the father, and really, um, you know, in a way, gave up that sense of self, but was able to be the princess. Is well, that typical? Well, what I found is that narcissistic mothers tend to be either engulfing or ignoring. And mm. they seem like two very different things, but the impact of the opposite is the same. Mm. So that engulfing, I'll do everything for you, that sort of overmothering helicopter mom mm-hmm. um, is one type. And then the, the opposite end of that is the ignoring mom. Mm-hmm. And the ignoring mom is just wrapped up in herself. Well, actually, both are, even though it does, it looks different. Um, but the narcissistic mom is is going to be all about her. But the the whether she's overmothering or undermothering, the impact is the same because the daughter doesn't have the opportunity to develop a sense of self. Mm-hmm. As with you know, overmothering, mm-hmm. the daughter can't breathe. She mm-hmm. can't 
think for herself. Do you find that um, a lot of uh, narcissistic mothers teach the daughter subconsciously that you always have to look good and you always have to dress up and you always have to, you know, appear pretty? Absolutely. The the mantra from the narcissistic mother is always about image. It's always about how it looks to everyone else rather than how the young woman feels. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, now let's go back to this disorder, if you will. Is this common... Well, the American Psychiatric Association estimates 1.5 million women in our country alone uh, are diagnosed with full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. But, but you have to think of narcissism as a spectrum disorder. So on one end are the full-blown NPDs, and on the other end are people with normal narcissistic traits that we all have. And then along this continuum, there can be more and more traits. So what I've found is that it's far more prevalent and widespread than we would think it is because there are many moms with high-level traits who are still doing the same damage to their children. Maybe not being labeled narcissistic, but the damage is the same as what you're saying. Right, because if mom can't do empathy, and it's all about her, and she can't tune into the emotional field of her children, Mm. then that's going to cause the same impact. How are, is there a typical father role or image or personality with the narcissistic mother? What I found is that the dads in these families have to revolve around the narcissistic mom. They have to orbit around her in order to keep their marriage together. So therefore, where there might be some hope for the child to get that emotional connect from dad, it often doesn't happen either because dad has to revolve around mom and and support mom and enable mom, which then leaves the children more emotionally unattended from both parents. Hmm. Interesting. So the mother does have the full role, even though sometimes wouldn't the mother um, depend, in a sense, on the father so that she could be the princess? Possibly. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. The attention. She's going to want the attention on her. Mm-hmm. But as soon as dad starts, you know, moving that attention to one of the children, particularly the daughters, then mom is not going to be happy about that. Does that happen often? Well, certainly in my research and experience in treating daughters, uh, it's very common that daughters report that dad, even though maybe dad had a heart or dad was more capable, you know, dad wasn't really able to do it. Mm. So that dad really couldn't cut it in a way, even though he tried. Right. Mom will interfere. How can a daughter of a narcissistic mother throw out the messages she's grown up with, like, you know, I'm not good enough, or, you know, 
more important than, than me. Um, you know, how, how do they deal with this? Well, what I found is these the, the deeply ingrained messages of I'm not good enough no matter what I do, I'm unlovable, um, if my own mother can't love me, who can? I'm valued for what I do rather than for who I am as a person. And I wrote a five-step recovery program for daughters, Patricia, to uh, be in recovery and work on this. And there are several steps to it. But it isn't as simple as you know, I'm just going to give myself affirmations every day and hope that this goes away. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's talk about the five-step process. The five-step process begins with acceptance. And the acceptance is accepting that we can't change mom and that mom is who mom is and mom's not going to be different necessarily and so the recovery process is really in internally for the daughter. But daughters can't seem to move in recovery and do all the other steps until they've really accepted that it's not going to be different. Otherwise, they keep going back, hoping and wishing that, you know, maybe this time it'll be different. And then, of course, they get disappointed and disillusioned and hurt all over again. So it starts with that, which is a process in itself. And then the next part of that first step is a grief process, Patricia. they If daughters don't grieve, the mom they didn't get to have, the little girl they didn't get to be, mm-hmm. they can't move on. They can't move on to the other parts of, you know, really building that, their own sense of and, of course, who wants to do grief, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And people around the daughters are saying, get over it already, you know, don't be a victim, don't, you know, you can't blame your past for everything. And, and of course, that's, that's not what this is about because we don't, we don't want them to stay in that victim role, you know, but they still have to go through it before they can give it up. All right. Well, also, too, you know, then sometimes the daughters will live their life trying to be good enough, trying to be pretty enough or trying to be smart enough. And I think what you're saying there is until you deal with that, there's always going to be a hole because you'll never measure up even to yourself. Absolutely. Daughters can try and try and achieve and achieve and have all these accomplishments but not be able to give themselves credit you know, sort of feel like an imposter, like if you really find out who I am, you won't like me, or, mm. you know, you won't love me either, or I'm not as good as I look, or... Mm-hmm. Mm. Very true. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. Tell people how they can learn more about your work and your book and any workshops that you give. The book is available at uh, most bookstores. It's also available on Amazon.com online and Barnes & Noble online. We have a uh, a book website that is an international resource center for daughters of narcissistic mothers that has many resources for daughters, as well as a survey that you can take that's titled, Is This Your Mom? Hmm. That website is www.nevergoodenough.com. Okay, nevergoodenough.com. All right. 
All right. My guest today is Dr. Carol McBride, K-A-R-Y-L McBride, and her book is Will I Ever Be Good Enough? And the subtitle is Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. And again, uh, the website again is nevergoodenough.com. Hey, you're listening to Positive Living, Patricia Raskin, Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. There's plenty more. You can call us at 866-472-5787. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america hey dad what can't get the ketchup bottle open Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. We are talking to Dr. Carol McBride, and her book is Will I Ever Be Good Enough? And the subtitle is Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. And Dr. Carol McBride is a psychotherapist, and she's been doing this work. She's a um, licensed marriage and family therapist in Denver with more than 29 years of experience in public and private practice. And she specializes in treating clients with family of origin issues that are dysfunctional. Welcome back, Dr. McBride. Thank you. And your book is NeverGoodEnough.com. We're, we're talking about some examples here, you know, during the break of, of different examples of people who've asked me questions and basically about... Um, what this does to daughters, especially with the role of the father and how sometimes there's like a whole triangle thing that goes on with the mother and father and daughter. Yes, and, you know, the triangulation in the communication, first of all, is very common. And and secondly, sometimes if dad, even though he's orbiting around mom, is not getting his needs met from mom, Right. He, he may try to get those needs met through the children, which then kind of messes up the the uh, healthy family hierarchy. 
mm-hmm. you know, the healthy family hierarchy, and there's a diagram of this in the book, is where mom and dad are together bonded at the top of the hierarchy. There's a firm line, and the children are all on the same level on the bottom so that the love is being, you know, passed down and shown down from the parents. Mm-hmm. In these families, that there is no hierarchy. You know, so those boundaries get all mixed up. Yeah, and then that's what—that's really what affects the the daughters. So, what do you say to daughters? I mean, let's talk about. We know that a narcissism can breed grandiose sense of self-importance. That we can be preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or love, and that we think that we are so special and unique that uh, everybody should bow down to us. So if that's the kind of model we had, what do we as daughters do to break that so that we can we can create healthy relationships and people who we are with, with spouses, with significant others, um, you know, so that they can love us for who we are and we don't always have to be just good enough for them? Well, I have become a uh, firm believer in this recovery program that I wrote going through the steps of recovery, it's like the daughter has to go back, Patricia, and learn how to build her own sense of self and build her own internal mother mm-hmm. so that she has that internal mother to rely on and can build herself back to that empowering state. Because, you know, we tend to draw people to us in our lives who are on the same emotional level that we are. And if we haven't done recovery, we're going to draw in other people that haven't developed that sense of self either. And so, first of all, I would say invest in yourself. You know, I would tell daughters to really invest in your own recovery because otherwise it seems like everything that they try doesn't work that well. That's very important. Um, what would you say, you know, I mean, we can talk more about the traits of uh, the mother, but let's talk more about the recovery program. And when you just said, you know, really mothering yourself, give us some examples of what are some of the steps that daughters can start to take to recover. Well, as they, after you do acceptance, that mom won't be different, and you go through your grief process. As I mentioned before, the mom you didn't get to have and the little girl you didn't get to be. Then you work on separating from mom, not necessarily geographically, um, but it's an internal psychological separation. You know, looking at who you are as a woman. What do you believe in? What's your value system? What do you like? What do you not like? What are your talents? What are your passions? And then you work on developing, as that develops, your own internal mother that you can rely on. And um, that's being able to use your maternal instincts that you would use with a child on yourself. You know, so that you're really learning to take good care of yourself. Meaning if if you're beating yourself up, you can stop doing that. Reassure. You can do self-comforting and solacing. You can sleep if you need to sleep. You know, say no instead of yes and, and codependency. 
So there's a lot to the process. And then you're also able to draw different kind of boundaries, you know, where you can have boundaries for yourself with your mom and with everyone else. So it, but it takes time, as you said. I mean, it, it, it you know, this is not going to happen overnight. No. And, uh, and it takes time. Are there certain characteristics that you have seen with uh, daughters of narcissistic mothers? Are they often perfectionists and driven and successful and attractive or not necessarily? Well, I, I think this is probably the most interesting part of the research because I found that daughters internalize that message I'm valued for what I do rather than for who I am. Yes, yes. And they tend to go to extreme ends of the continuum. So on one end, we have what I call the Mary Marvels. And they're accomplishing and doing and, uh, you know, have pretty homes and great careers. And then other daughters internalize that same message and give up and say, you know, I, I'm not going to prove how good I am. I, I can't measure up. So they self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. What, what about marriages with these women who have not um, processed or have not done the work? Um, the daughters of narcissistic mothers, what kind of marriages do you find they have? Hello? Yes, I'm right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, did you not hear my question? You, were you asking about marriages? Yes, I asked about how, what kinds of marriages daughters of narcissistic mothers have, typically. What happens is that daughters learn what I call the legacy of distorted love, which means I'm valued for, it means, love means either what I can do for you or what you can do for me, which then creates relationships that are either dependent or codependent. So their love relationships in the beginning before recovery usually have those dynamics. Codependency, meaning that uh, we live through another person. Codependency means I will take care of you to the exclusion of taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And dependency means I, I will lean on you for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas a healthy relationship is two whole people who have interdependence. Mm-hmm. And they give and take, but it, it's, it's not one-sided. Do you often see in in the relationships of the daughters that the, the parents had codependent relationships, the mother and father? Yes. Okay, so either the father was overleaning on the mother or the mother was overleaning on the father. Correct. And and it's usually the mother uh, leaning on the father for, you know, constant excessive attention and admiration and filling her emotional pot so she can keep going. Or or um, being needy. Yes. And wanting the, the husband to do everything. Right. Interesting. What have you found to be successful in working with daughters? You know, maybe you can tell us, we have a few minutes before break, a quick story of someone you worked with who worked through something and uh, to the other side, and uh, is happy and healthy, and and um, just work through it. Well, one of the 
One of the things that I've found daughters do in general is uh, really as they work through their recovery, they tend to then be able to make decisions about what kind of relationship they want to have with mom, which really changes things for them because they're more empowered, they're more able to say no, they're more able to make good decisions for themselves. And then they can decide, you know, do I, maybe I can't have contact with mom. Maybe mom's too toxic. Or maybe now I can have what I call in the book a civil connect, you know, where I realize I've accepted that I'm not going to have a deep emotional connection, but I want to hang on to my roots and, you know, I still want to be able to talk to them and be involved with them, but I understand that it's going to be a superficial connection and now I'm okay with that because I've worked through this recovery. And I think the women who have succeeded the most in recovery are those who are saying, I really want to be conscious and aware because I don't want to pass this down to my kids or my grandkids. And that, ta- again, as you said, that's going to take some work because, you know, it, it, we do, we do pass down what we have learned. And, um, so it's, it's a matter of working it through. And sometimes unwittingly, Patricia, you know, if you just look at the I'm not good enough message, and let's say you're still able to do unconditional love and empathy, but you're modeling the I'm not good enough that's going to unwittingly get passed to your children, which I think is the best reason probably for moms to pop into recovery and be recovering daughters because most moms don't want to do that. They don't want to pass that down. All right. I think we're um, going to go to break, but... Let me just ask you before that about the roles of the other children quickly, um, other brothers, brothers in the family, how that plays out generally. Most daughters report that if they have brothers, their brothers were treated differently. Mm-hmm. They're kind of called the golden son or the golden child and that the brothers don't have the same dynamics with mom um, and have got treated more favorably by the narcissistic mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then there's sort of a, a wedge drawn, you know, between the siblings, which makes it hard for the brothers and sisters to be close. And, of course, sons, moms don't have the same jealousy issues, you know, as they do with their daughters. They don't go through that that envy stuff with the son. So, you know, it seems to be different, although I will say I, you know, this is reporting from daughters, so I didn't do specific research on men, which is what I'm hoping to do next. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's going to be next is is um, sons of narcissistic mothers? Or men, if you had either a narcissistic mother or father. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are talking more to my guest today, Dr. Carol McBride. And her book, 
is Will I Ever Be Good Enough Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers? You're listening to Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit, Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Everyone, we are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com. My guest is Dr. Carol McBride, and her book is Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. And Dr. Carol McBride is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Denver with more than 29 years of experience in public and private practice. She specializes in treating clients of, with dysfunctional family of origin issues. For the past 17 years, she's been involved in private research concerning children of narcissistic parents with a primary focus on women raised by narcissistic mothers, and she's treated many daughters of narcissistic mothers in her private practice. Welcome back, Dr. McBride. Thank you. What are some of the characteristics of narcissistic mothers? Well, the trademark is definitely the lack of empathy and unconditional love. But I did find um, the, that these mothers do this either engulfing or ignoring that then sort of goes into six different types that I identified. And um, I can... Yes, please go through them. I can give you the list there. The flamboyant extrovert, which is kind of 
what we would typically think of as the, the narcissistic mom, the out there showy, flashy, showbiz kind of mom. And then the emotionally needy, the, the mom whose kids definitely are taking care of her needs. The secretly mean, the mom who, you know, when you're in church with mom, she puts her arm around you and lets you have a piece of gum out of her purse, but if you uh, approached her at home, she would hit you or yell at you or mm-hmm. be abusive to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the addicted mom, obviously moms who are involved in their addictions are not able to focus their emotional energy on their children. You mean substance addictions. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then the psychosomatic, which is an interesting one, where mom needs that attention so she's feigning illness so that all the attention's on her and everybody has to take care of her. And then last, the accomplishment-oriented, the mom who's all about what school you went to, what degree you have, you know, does your boyfriend have a Ph.D.? Uh, you know, it's all about how it looks and what you've accomplished. How about money, if you have money? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about the first one, the showbiz mom. What does that look like? The showbiz mom is the, <clears throat> like the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Toddlers and Tierras show on TV, it's the, you know, they're pushing kids to do things before they're able to really make those decisions for themselves. Like in Gypsy. Gypsy is a great example, yes. And and they're kind of trying to live through their children in some ways, but these moms are also out there, flashy, you know, very extroverted and um, kind of show off themselves. And then they expect their children to, to be the same, do the same. Are there combinations so that the, the mom might be one and three or two and four and five? Yes, that's a good question because um, most daughters will describe mom as being a combination of at least two of these, mm-hmm. and sometimes more. Mm-hmm. And then also they can be engulfing or ignoring um, within each of these types as well. Mm. So it's... And it's complicated. <laughs> now, you were the product of a narcissistic mother yourself. Is that what led you to do this research? I'm, I'm definitely a recovering daughter myself, and I, I believe that that's probably where the passion started, Patricia, is trying to, realizing that there's not literature out there on this. There's, you know, that therapists weren't understanding it, and and then began the research and as a therapist, you know, began treating a lot of women. And so it was it was a combination of my own experience as well as research and professional clinical practice that uh, brought this to the book. So we have a few minutes left. What would you say... Um, you find in your years of therapy with daughters, what do you find they struggle with? What are their continual challenges that you help them to overcome? Well, most of the time they they don't know this is the issue. They, they come to treatment with depression or anxiety or relationship issues or parenting issues. But because of those internalized messages, they end up with this crippling self-doubt where they don't trust themselves, they don't 
express their own feelings. They kind of have a feeling of emptiness and this, this, this stunted emotional growth, uh, self-esteem issues. And then that, you know, as we talked earlier, begins to play out in, in their love relationships and their parenting and their career choices and, and just how they feel every day. Do you find that they often pick abusive relationships? Um, not necessarily, but some some certainly do. But uh, you know, relationship unhealthy relationships, and of course, you can have an unhealthy without abusive, you know, relationship. Well, what the the primary thing I found was that codependent dependent mix in the relationship where they are too needy. They're either too needy or they're the control freak wanting to be the codependent and take care of their partner too much. Or control everything. Right. Yeah. Are there some specific exercises that you help women do to work through this? You know, one of the really fun things that we do is what I call um, my doll therapy. And I use this to help women learn how to mother themselves. But I'll have them go buy a doll that looks like the way they looked when, you know, not as a baby, but as a toddler or five, six years old. And then we use that doll to talk to and to remind the woman know, that here's this little girl inside of you that needs love and attention and appreciation. And we'll use her in therapy, but also I'll, I'll have the, the women keep that doll with them during recovery. Mm-hmm. And so they, they talk to the child and they mother the child. Right, and it's sort of a concrete way, you know, for them to get in touch with that inner child. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's kind of cute because they bring, you know, they'll be sitting in the reception area with their dolls, you know. <laughs> they bring them into therapy. But, I mean, women who get into this recovery really want to finish it, you know. And we want to be uh, pampered and loved. and Oh, absolutely. And the, and there's so much hope, you know. And I certainly... I, I agree. One of the things that, that I have done, and I've noticed this lately, and it, it, as you were talking today, I was thinking about it, Um. I will talk to myself as though I am a mother, yeah. and I'll say things like, um, and I, this is only in the last few months mm-hmm. that I've really been, I'll just say, you know, you really did a good job on that, and you really need yeah. to give yourself credit, and, yeah. you know, look at how far you've come, and, 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 I'm, and I'm listening to it, mm-hmm. you know, because these are things that I didn't hear, right. and I've been noticing, I've been saying them, and as I do that and I receive it, I just get stronger, because, you know, these are things other people have said to me that I've never really seen before. And now I'm seeing it, and it makes a huge difference when you can see yourself. Well, and the difference is that before you do recovery and, and you're not understanding this and working through the grief, right? your body rejects those messages. That's true. You know, And once you do go through recovery and you're working on this, then it begins to work just like you're explaining. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Closing thoughts, um, if people get one thing out of this interview in terms of well, healing. I mean, will I ever be good enough? Is the title of the book "Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers"? What is your, what's your message for daughters? 
My message is to continue as I will be as a recovering daughter, a hopeaholic, and do the recovery work. Stop gaining counsel from wounded people Mm. and drop the weights from the past and allow yourself to work the recovery. Now, when you say stop getting help from wounded people, what do you mean? Explain that. I mean, the more daughters go back to the mom that doesn't know her, the mom that couldn't love her, the mom that can't do empathy. Right. So stop asking for that for which you're not going to receive Absolutely. from your mother. And know that you can find it within yourself. Or other role models, right? You can find other maternal role models. Absolutely. And friends and love relationships. But the primary work is internal. You know, it's not seeking that externally anymore. It's seeking it internally. Again, how can people find you in your workshops and your books? The book website is www.nevergoodenough.com. The book is available in most bookstores and also online at Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. Okay. And are you giving workshops? We are planning workshops in the future. We don't have one scheduled at this moment for me to talk about, but it's it's all in the works. So if people watch the book website, we will be uh, constantly updating it with future events. Okay. Again, and people can get your book on Amazon, right, or Barnes & Noble, and the website is nevergoodenough.com. Hey, my guest has been Dr. Carol McBride, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Denver with more than 29 years of experience in public and private practice, and she specializes in treating clients with dysfunctional family of origin issues. And her primary focus is on women raised by narcissistic mothers, and her book, again, is Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. Thank you, Dr. McBride, for being on the program. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Thank you. Yes, stay on the line. All right, folks, um, we're coming to the close of another Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. I'd be happy to put you on my newsletter list and would look forward to hearing from you. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Have a wonderful Monday and a wonderful week. Bye for now. Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.